Hey folks, welcome into the Pro Football Ireland PFI College Football Show. Uh, week 13 of the college football season, the final week of the regular season. How the hell did that happen? We all still have hair. I'm saying that because I'm older than these two boys. Michael McQuaid, Dark Harger, Connell Diggin, Dara. We're recording this immediately after your Green Bay Packers shocked the world on Thanksgiving. Um, you're a very happy man at the minute. Of course, yeah. Well, um, I mean, I'd be lying if I said I didn't call it. Like, you know, was... <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I feel pretty good with it. Packers been up there. Like, I know they're just a fucky sort of underdog team, which is really fun to watch. So, yeah, I'm having a good time. Good crack on Twitter and, and whatnot, you know, tweeting out. I could tweet out Michael McQuaid has a lovely beard this November and I'll probably get about 500 likes. So, wow. <laughs> I was gonna say you're like genuinely your tweets are good value. Like I think the one about the, the Packers secondary was the best one I've seen. I sh- I don't even think I give it a like. It's not my good. my Twitter's broken. I can't. I literally it crashes every time I go on it now. So whatever's there is there. I need a new phone or something. Is that your uh, wage for this now? Your 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 wage demands for this next year? <laughs> uh, I'll happily happily sit down and negotiate our buffets in January <laughs> can I just give a bit of breaking news so we were in and I'll get to you in a wee second Connell it, it is it's, I'll come to you for next this I was in the deer's head on Tuesday night and the owner basically was like if you boys want to sit downstairs and drink, drink Guinness and have people behind you during the first round of the draft I'll close the doors I, like I'm happy enough and I was like okay <laughs> that sounds interesting <laughs> so maybe watch this space um Connell, would you make the drive, the, the long drive to Mordor slash Belfast, um, if that happened? Yeah, I'd have to, I have to find someone to drive me. Failed my driving test last week, but like, you know, oh, we got Jesus. the, yeah, we got the difficult driving instructor though. She, she's no fun to be fair, but look, that's that's a whole different kettle of fish. Like, um, I think now, you know, if if it's for the draft, you know, I'll have to, I have to make the trip to Narnar, um, as as people call it, so. Uh, yeah, you know, we'll see what will happen. Like, see what will happen. This could be Dar's last PFI college football show after that. That was a joke. I'm <laughs> taking the hand. Uh, nor aren't I actually made a joke the overnight about flag football and said flag football. That's and brilliant. There was one man that looked genuinely annoyed in Belfast, so I'll I'll leave it there. I do want to I do want to bring this into the conversation before we talk about the games, uh, and we'll and we'll wing through some of them or wheel through some of them. Sky Sports getting the college football look. Now, the pessimist and the negative people will say, sure, it's the end of the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got all the bowl games. They've got the championship game. They've got college game day. They've got the whole whack next year. Dara, you must have been a happy mom when you seen that last week. Yeah, I'm really came out of the blue. And I, when it was, it was announced, it was announced on the Saturday of the games. And I was thinking, oh, that'll be good like next year. And then it just said, oh, like they're showing the Louisville game at five o'clock. I was like, what? Like it just. It was, it was immediate. So that was on their end. Fair play to them. It was very impressive to get a quick turnaround and get fit straight into the scheduling. So, yeah, um, definitely a good timing together for the end of the season. I mean, there's games coming up that you're not going to want to miss. So, yeah, I'm really, really excited about that going forward. Sonny Connell, because I said to Neil Reynolds, not to start inserting names there, he was having his dinner and we got up. He looked to the left and that Louisville game was on TV and he was like, this was a good decision. I'm, I'm buzzing because you two lads look like the sort of boys where, you know, you go home at the weekend from college, the parents have Sky, you rock in, you say, oh, you put the fire on, the college football's there. It, it'll, it's going to open a lot of elements for people that watch the NFL because even like watching on Thanksgiving, they spend five minutes talking about college football. So 
it can only be good for everyone in that sense. Yeah, sure. Like, you know, college football, especially now, like this part of the season is, it's kind of where it properly gets interesting. I mean, like you have, you know, this last week of the season, you always see a couple of upsets, you know, because it's a lot of rivalry games and you have, you know, all your bowl games next week where, you know, a lot of teams are basically playing to make sure that they're going to be in the college football playoff. And obviously the bowl games, I mean, it's, it's always just really fun to watch, like some of the stupid stuff that happens in, in some of those games as well. And then you get to finish off with the college football playoffs as well, which, you know, it, this year looks like it's going to be absolutely stacked. And, you know, we're going to talk about a couple of teams who are probably going to end up seeing uh, in, those, in, that, in those games as well. Yeah, it's funny. There's so much to talk about, and we're we're not ignoring the fact that Pitt Wisconsin was announced for 27. We've got four years to talk about that. Apparently, Dark Harger's got five spare beds. Yeah, that was um. Yeah, I might have regret that soon enough. Yeah, but I don't know. I'll probably be living in Dublin by then. Sure, we'll all be living in Dublin. Wow, well, maybe. Well, I'm not speaking about Dublin at the moment, but uh, <laughs> let's get into these games. I think. Let's get into the games. Friday night tonight, if you listen to this podcast, sees Oregon State go up against Oregon. Uh, can Bo Nix and the Oregon Ducks control this game? This is the, like, Jesus, boys. Last week of regular season, the Ducks are looking to clinch a place in the Pac-12 championship. They meet with Washington for the second time this season if they win this game. The Beavers, Dara, are not going to be an easy team for Oregon to face this week. But if Oregon could get out with a win, it'll literally be avenging their only loss of the season. Can they do it, do you think? Yeah, well, um, obviously New Oregon need to win to make the Pac-12 Championship. If they don't, that opens the door for Arizona out of nowhere to, to get into the Pac-12 Championship game, which would, for all intents and purposes, be quite bad because Washington would beat them quite easily, I think, in that game. So... I don't really want to see Oregon lose this, but also for Oregon State, this is kind of like their last stand. It's going to be their last ever Pac-12 game before the conference disbands. So, you know, they're playing for like a lot of pride. It's not just, you know, your typical rivalry stereotype. Like there's a lot in the line for Oregon State here in the fact that, you know, they're conferenceless next season and the future is so unknown for them. So like there's a lot to like with both teams. Uh, Bo Nix is the guy to watch here. He's um, currently the Heisman frontrunner. He's got a seventy-eight point something percent completion percentage, which would is on pace to be a college football record. Um, like it's probably been a weaker year than usual for the Heisman in terms of there's been like no clear out and out unbelievable, you know, Baker, Kyler Murray's kind of players. But still, Bonex, you know, you have to give him credit, even as an older player, like he's really come along and taken strides even this season. So, yeah, interested to see how this one goes. Oregon State. I have three losses by a combined eight points, which is just so harsh for a team to take. Like, you know, that's such a such narrow margins in all their losses. They're 14-point underdogs here. I, I, I have a hard time seeing them, a team that hasn't lost by more than three points all season, suddenly losing by 14 in the last week, uh, especially when they're going to be looking to finish strong, knowing that there's no playoff for them, there's no championship game for them. This is minus a you know a good crack bit of a bowl game this is their last major uh, game of the year so I, I like Oregon State to show one big last push here but Oregon probably have the talent to get over the line Donald Oregon State ran the ball 40 times in the game last week against Washington and against Washington who were ranked fourth in the, in the, in the US I was going to say in the country of course in the country 
they only lost 22 to 20. I mean, what Dara's saying is pretty spot on. Like, that spread sounds a lot, a bit big, to be honest with you, man. Yeah, like, 14 is probably too big. Maybe I'd give it, like, a, a 10, but, like, you know, they get maybe a garbage time kind of touchdown to bring it within that. Now, I think, you know, Oregon, I think, are a better team, you know, kind of man for man. I know, like, they lost to Washington, but I do think they're a better team than Washington. Um, especially like I mean Washington been involved in a lot of close games, but enough of talking about them. Um, you know, Oregon done really well basically other than, you know, that one game they lost, you know, they basically blown every team out. They've been really good defensively, insanely good offensively, probably, you know, the best offense in the nation. You know, you could argue men between them and LSU really. And you know, they've not really looked challenged outside of that Washington game. And I think you know, this is against Oregon State. They're going to want to be up for it, obviously, and I think it will be a close enough game. But, yeah, I see Oregon winning this and then, you know, going into next week kind of on a high and trying to win that conference championship game. I want to give a quick shout-out to Owen Linden, who is a true man from Coal Island that's going to Michigan against Ohio State this weekend. And he's, he texted me, God help, and trying to get tickets at a low price. Does anyone know? If you know, please please let us know. The cheapest prices that I can see are $450 each. My God, Dara, what a game. Both teams, 11-0. Like you, like, you cannot ride it any better than this. Like, this is unreal. They, the last two games they played each other, Michigan's won both. Michigan have really shut people up, even since the whole harbor situation's sort of out of fuel of the fire. Um, and even against Penn State last week, they shut guys up. JJ McCarthy um didn't have the best game, to be fair. I think he had about 60 yards, didn't have a touchdown in the day. But uh, that was two weeks ago. But then when you have Maryland last week, he didn't have a great game either. But the reality is they're still undefeated. Like this is the hell of a game, man. Like, I mean, I'm watching this game more than the Sunday slate in the NFL this week because I feel like whenever it's Thanksgiving. A lot of the games in the NFL on the Saturday and Sunday, sorry, the Sunday just go down a bit. And this this is the standout game of the weekend in the sport, isn't it, man? It's such a big game. Like, yeah, this is well, it's not just a big game; it's the game, as they call it in America. The so, game, yeah. Like, I mean, as you said, this is probably this is college football heritage. Like, this there's nothing that could make this game any better. Two undefeated teams. The two biggest rivals, the best rivalry in the sport, the biggest stadium in the sport, everything is the biggest and best it could possibly be for this game. Like it's just like I, I mean, it's the game we've been waiting for all year long. So the Harbaugh stuff has only sort of added to the you know like dynamic of it. Like obviously he himself is a loss on the sideline, but it's more so just the whole drama of it has has added a bit more extra intrigue that this game alone didn't even need, but we'll take it. Um. So as I said, like it's probably two of the most it's the two most consistent teams in college football this year. Both teams have just been relentless all season long. Um, the key to this game for me will be Marvin Harrison Jr. He's the best player on the field by a considerable margin. Um, it's a massive mismatch for me between him and uh, Michigan's number one corner, Will Johnson, who has been good so far this season, and he's he's been a long time starter there at Michigan, but he has struggled in recent weeks and. When you're struggling in recent in recent weeks, the last person you want to see on your schedule is Marvin Harrison Jr., maybe the best college football receiver we've seen since I don't know, maybe Julio Jones, if you want to go that far back. Um, so yeah, that's gonna be the key to this game for me. Kyle McCord, the Ohio State quarterback, 
if he has a clean pocket, this game could really, you could see it go in Ohio State's favour quickly. Um, we've seen, obviously, Ohio State had a long run of dominance over Michigan. And, you know, like in, in the NFL where, where things change an awful lot, and teams get better and get worse over quick spans of time. It's you, you sort of, you know, you date back through history and you say, well, there's not much you can glean from that. Like, this is just completely different teams. And even though in college, the turnover of players is quicker, I actually think there's more of a correlation in, in terms of just looking through it historically because you're recruiting the same guys, you know, you're recruiting the same level of players each year and then you're out the uh, colleges as esteemed as Ohio State and Michigan. So looking through the years, Michigan have won recently when they've been able to pressure the quarterback, and I think that's going to be the thing that, that the key to this game again today or on Saturday. So, for like you've seen Aiden Hutchinson, David Ojavo that year, where they just were dominant against the Ohio State line, it's they're going to need that level of performance again, even if they might not have the same caliber of edge rushers. If they don't get that pressure, as I say, it's, it could be the Marvin Harrison show, and and we know that that does that spells trouble for Michigan. Absolutely, uh, Connell. Michigan's defense is second in EPA per play, um, but you sort of expect both teams to find it hard to move the ball because it's going to be so tight. It's going to be nervy. Whoever wins this game really puts their really pencils their state into the playoff. Um, who's going to win? Who's gonna come up on top? I feel like Michigan's gonna win the whole fucking the whole thing. Oh my god, did I swear on a podcast? That's the first time anyone swore on us, unless you did a story go listen. <laughs> Not the best week for me to do that whenever we've got new listeners. So a warm this welcome. Is a, this is a family show. It's a family it's show. A family show. Yeah. And technically I may have said feck, but I feel like Matt I know is going no. to win the whole bleeping thing, boys. What do you think, Connell, this week in this game? I mean, like, this is the biggest game, I think, just in general, that we're going to have this year, you know, maybe until we get to in the, the final. And I think, like, looking through everything, you kind of are like, there's guys, if, you, if you're wanting to see people who are going to be playing every Sunday for the next few years, like, watch this game because there's so much talent on both sides of the ball for both teams. It's kind of insane. I mean, like, I know we... We have teams every year who one team has massive drafts, you know, guys coming through. But like this, these two teams have so much talent. It's kind of, it kind of begs belief. Like how you get this much and still have a bunch of other teams be eleven and all at this point in the year. Like kind of shows the growth of the game. But you know, looking through a lot of the teams, like it's they they're kind of like well matched. They have solid run games now. Michigan's run game has two really good running backs. But, you know, both their defenses are really good. Uh, neither of their quarterbacks, they can have their moments, but I don't expect them to have massive games. And I think, you know, this will be a low-scoring affair, which will pretty much be won, you know, by moments, you know, of magic by one or two players. You know, best thing I can think of is, you know, a pass being thrown to Marvin Harrison, him making a great catch for a touchdown, or, you know, Blake Corum breaking up a big run against Ohio State. Like, those are kind of the things that are going to have to happen if you want to win this game, especially with how tightly matched and how big rivals they are. And, you know, I think even neither of the the cornerbacks on either teams are you know, massively, you know, impressive and like they're still good and there's probably one or two guys who get drafted, but they're not the strength of this team. But they'll be kind of happy that, you know, the, the passing game for each team isn't 
what it can be, especially, you know, from what we've seen in the past few years. So, you know, looking through the teams and, you know, just kind of looking at what's been happening and everything this year, I think Ohio State wins. I, like, that's probably where I, who I give it to at the moment. Um, you know, but Michigan, Michigan needs to win to get into the playoff because if they, you know, their strength of schedule is so much worse. Uh, while Ohio State, even if they lost, there's they still have a sliver of chance if basically every other result kind of goes their way. But for Michigan, they lose this, they're not making the playoff. It's kind of as simple as that. I don't know why Dara made a wee noise there, but I love it, Dara. Love it. And thank you for the analysis, Colin. <laughs> I love this podcast, boy. Sorry for swearing, folks. My bad was I watching Dak Prescott make a throw potentially. Do you know? I don't think I think it would take us 15 20 years to get the ins and outs of every element of college football. And I've only learned today that when Alabama play Auburn, it's the Iron Bowl. Have you not known that, Michael? Come on, I have not because I just I like kick six, how man. would I know kick that? Six. Huh? The kick, kick six, six, man, like the greatest play probably in college football history. Arguably. I don't, I, I. Honest to God, I mean, I've most likely seen the play, but I didn't know it was called the Iron Bowl. Like, I'm just being honest on this podcast right now. The thing is, on paper, how many years ago this game was as almost as good as the game we just talked about? But Auburn are six and five. You'd have to wonder exactly how they're going to get into this into this game this week, especially after losing to was it New Mexico State last week? I mean. Yeah. You think back to like 2020, 2021 when Alabama had classic games against Auburn in the overtime. And I think there are over the last few games, I think it's like the last three or four games, Alabama have had an average of 35 or more points per game. I just feel like this is the sort of game where they'll go in and they'll just put points on the board. And after seeing how Auburn have played over the last three weeks, they could struggle. Then again, they could completely turn the page. Yeah, well, they're gonna be up for it. Um, they always are Auburn, like for for a game a rivalry of this magnitude. Um, but yeah, it's a bad matchup for them. Um, in on probably more the most technical side of this that I'll ever get into. The Auburn have very little downfield threat. They're a, you know when they do throw the ball, it's a lot of RPOs. It's short of the sticks, kind of slants and and what what have you, and as well as Jarvis Hunter, their running back is probably their main offensive threat. So they run the ball and keep the ball sort of close to the line of scrimmage, which perfectly suits what Alabama do. The way to beat Alabama is to attack downfield because they push their players so close to the line of scrimmage. It's like something that Nick, Nick Saban has always done. He, like we saw last year when Tennessee destroyed Alabama, it was just earn the ball out. We're going to send three or four guys deep every single play and it's just going to be mismatch after mismatch. And, that's the way to beat Alabama. What Auburn have is the opposite. They, it sort of plays exactly in the Saban's hands. So it is going to be a tough game for Auburn to put up points. I think Alabama will have very little issues stopping them. Uh, on the other side of the ball then, I mean, I mean Jalen Miller was always going to get his opportunities to make plays and he's a brilliant runner and he can throw the ball as well as anyone else. So, you know, it's a, 
it, it, it forecasted to be a comfortable Alabama win, and I do see it that way, to be, to be honest. But again, with all these games in rivalry week, it's a game where you know you can throw it, you can throw all stakes out the window and playoff aspirations out the window because it does come down to two teams in one state who don't like each other. It's your Arma Tyrone, it's your Kerry versus Cork. You know, it's <laughs> it's just a game of I don't care what's on the line here. I don't like you, and I'm not, I'm not going to be very nice to you on the field today. I mean, Kerry Cork, you could say Tyrone Derry now, not even Tyrone Arma anymore, Connell. Look, look, you know. I... Cork, Cork aren't doing too well at the moment, so you know they're not they're not much of a threat. There's not much of a threat currently in in Munster for Kerry at the moment. So, you know, and and the Cliffords have a nice little break now because they got knocked out of the, the tournament. Thank God, don't want yeah. to see They both met the, they both met the Steelers last Saturday night. So, yeah. if one of them heads to Pittsburgh, that's not my fault. So I'm just put it that they can take they can take the Toronto if he presses them. Niall Morgan, they can have him. Can sure, that would be great. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, Dara basically hit on all the points for this game. I mean, the best thing I can put in context for people is, you know, Auburn are like six and five, and that's in huge inverted commas because like they played not great teams uh, that that they've beaten pretty much. I mean, they've beaten Vanderbilt for kind of like a punching bag in the in the Western or in the SEC. You know, Massachusetts, Cal, Cal Samford, like nothing, nothing really special. Well, CD Lamb's on my fantasy team. He's done really, really well for me the past few weeks. So Sorry for interrupting you, mid I'm not. I'm not editing this out of the podcast. I, there's a there's a child in the Cowboys game dressed as a turkey, but also a chef, and uh, that's where we are right now in the world. Sorry, Connell. It's a no. It's okay. To be honest, this game like it's not really much to be talking about. It's just kind of Alabama more than likely win. Um, yeah, like they're they're a much better team. They know what they're doing. Their their offense is much much better from what it was in the past. And I think, you know, like they're they're not going to pose most of a threat. Peyton Thorn can't really do much uh, against Alabama offensively. He's only thrown over two hundred yards twice this year. So, I expect a fairly comfortable Alabama win. To be honest, how comfortable are we talking? Like comfy, comfy. Like tuck, tuck oh, like, in the second quarter. Like oh, tucked into bed, hot water bottle, like everything you need. Like, I love how I muted myself when I was going to talk. Love it, Connell. Thank you, and sorry for, sorry for annoying you during that uh, analysis piece. Um, Florida Derby. Can I call it the Florida Derby? FSU, Gators, Dara. Um, can I get like look? Before I even talk about this game, what what exactly the FSU need to do to get from fifth to fourth here in, in your eyes? Let me know as well here. But they've been unbelievable this season, boys, both sides of the ball. It's been so, so fun to watch. And you just hope, Dara, not to start talking about Dublin, but you hope that they can retain a lot of the talent that they have. I know they're going to lose some guys, but you hope that FSU come to Dublin in the same sort of shape next year, albeit how hard that could actually be to happen. Yeah, like I sort of... For that reason alone, I do hope that FSU make the playoff because it'll be cool. That's a big, you know, big sort of cool thing for Dublin is a playoff team coming now. That would be the, the highest tower team that we've seen. But yeah, for obviously the, the main talking point going into this is the fact that Jordan Travis is done for the year and done for his entire college career maybe at this stage. So 
uh, like that's a massive bummer for Florida State who've been just like he's been the guy there all season long and so this isn't like you know uh, this isn't like a system quarterback who can easily be replaced you know Jordan Travis was an awful lot of what that offense was and that offense was scoring 30, 30 to 40 points pretty much every single week in his place now would be Tate Roadmaker um, good name uh, he looked pretty good last week. What really baffles me about these college quarterbacks, and I did want to, because I did a bit of research on who he was, I'm like, he was a superstar at uh, in at the high school level, at Valdosta High, which is like a massive high school in Georgia. They're maybe one of the most renowned high schools in America. I'm like, it's it's unfathomable. And it, I mean, I might be getting off topic here, but Jake Browning, who came in for the Bengals in place of Joe Burrow. Like he was like a god at high school level, like one of the best called or best high school quarterbacks of to ever exist. These guys are like throwing, you know, like seven thousand yards in fourteen games at high school. And like maybe throw four four interceptions to fifty touchdowns. And like obviously it's high school and you know you're not playing the best guys. But this is still well lost the high they're playing the best high school teams. They're playing the top competition. And then to go from that to being a massive recruit as Roadmaker was, ends up in Florida State, never sees the field behind Jordan Travis, and he's been waiting there his, his entire career. He's now in his third year in college. Maybe his fourth year in college with a red I think he's a redshirt junior, yes. It's going to be his fourth year at Florida State. And, like, only to be now getting this opportunity, and what a chance it is, you know, you're going plugged straight into a playoff team, a system that you've been familiar with. Mike Norvell, he was his first ever recruit, so he's been there the entire Norvell tenure. You know, like, it's really sort of cool to see that they're played for him. It's a massive opportunity, and now, luckily, he's going against one of the worst passing defences statistically in colleges here in Florida. So... It's a nice way to ease himself in before potentially, well, first of all, he's going to have an SEC championship game to worry about and then potentially going to the playoffs. So it's a big week also for the committee, uh, the college football playoff committee, because, um, you know, if the quarterback has major struggles and if this seems like this is going to be a team that will struggle against your Georges or your Michigans or whoever it may be in the playoff, then in that case, they could be the team who maybe the first team to ever win a power five championship go undefeated and still miss the playoff which would be pretty unprecedented but there is a situation i think where that does happen yeah it's mad because like one of the nerd stats i've seen they're uh, at 47.2 percent connor the only team in the states forcing more incompletions than completions allowed the last time that's happened with a power five team was 2018 when it was michigan and lsu they really are setting the bar this season in certain elements of it. And although I should have came to you first, I'm eager to hear what you think ahead of this game. I think I what I was looking at was, you know, will this, like even let's say they win their next two games, they win this game and they win the Commerce Championship game against Elliot, uh, or Louis, Louis, Louisville, sorry, Louisville. And, um, Will the people who are voting on the you know the championship game will they um will they have maybe like a subconscious bias even like let's say Broadmaker doesn't play well and they still win those two games will they have a subconscious bias basically to not pick Florida because they don't think that they're gonna win a game even though they might be one of the four best teams I think that that would be really interesting if we get through and maybe you know he might just absolutely blow the doors off everybody and 
you know, just smash it like coming into this game. And I, I'll be, be really interested to see how he does because, you know, as Dara said, you know, he's kind of has something to prove and he should do fairly well. And um, Florida are also coming in with their backup quarterback as well, Max Brown, who I think is a true freshman uh, because uh, uh, Graham Mertz has picked up an injury, I think, and his, the rest of his season done. I guess it would be if you don't play the final game in the season, your season would be done. But yeah, I think Florida State's team is a lot more suited to, you know, picking up maybe a, a lesser talent, I guess the best way to put it, than their current quarterback. I mean, they have two wide receivers who are going to go in probably the first two rounds, Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson. And then, you know, their defense has been good pretty much all year and they have a lot of talent on that end of the ball. And I just don't see Florida. I think there, there is the way Florida wins this game is if they just absolutely dominate the ground game and they have two really good running backs. And, you know, both of these teams, I heard a stat that they have, like, uh, they're both, like, in the bottom, like, 100 for, um, like, you know, big yardage plays on the ground against running, against running plays. So it'll be, you know, interesting to see if these two teams who don't run the ball a whole lot, you know, if they can dominate the ground game kind of with a backup quarterback out there, like, Whoever does that probably wins this game unless one of the quarterbacks becomes the next, you know, Peyton Manning out there and just, you know, dots everyone off pretty much. Um, I can't wait to see my wife's face when I tell her at five o'clock on Saturday that we're not watching Strictly Come Toss and Six. We're watching Louisville against Kentucky and Sky Sports. <laughs> this is why I'm so happy about this deal. I mean, lads, like, let's, like, starting off with this, because I know, Dara, you were tired. Connell, you were talking about, talking about two different games. I think this, I mean, like you could talk about either or, but, you know, Louisville have clinched your spot in the SEC Championship coming up, but can they make the playoff? That's the big question. It's, it should be like it's going to happen. We wait and see what happens. They obviously need to beat Kentucky this weekend. They need to hope for a few upsets down down the line. Obviously, Florida, Florida State, etc. Governor's Cup. This game. Oh, not today. Yeah, no, that's one I didn't know, actually. Governor's Cup. Yeah, that's Governor's a... Cup. I wish, Just I wait to the bowl games in three weeks. I wish it was called like, like the KFC Cup or something. That would be yeah. Like, it would make more sense. You know what? Actually, that's you've like that's the podcast in three weeks. What would we call the bowl games if they were in Ireland? Like literally, <laughs> you know, there's so many things. Anyway, anyway, Louisville is getting Kentucky at the right time. Dara, um, I think they've lost five of the last six. They've you know since they've lost to Pittsburgh, Louisville, and um, they've won four in a row. They're playing the best football at the minute that they've played in a long time. You could, you know, you expect to see them win. I guess it's a matter of how they win this week when they play in the Governor's Cup. Connell, I think you're gonna go first. Yes. Um, yeah, like Louisville are kind of confusing because a lot of what they have is you know, they've played a lot of close games, they've not played some amazing teams. I mean, they've beaten Duke and then they also beat Notre Dame. And I will say that Notre Dame victory is kind of what legitimizes them, I guess, a little bit. But I, I, if you look back at that game and look at kind of the context of that game, you know, that was, I believe, right after the Duke game for Notre Dame. And like, if you watch that game, you know how tough a game that was for uh, Notre Dame. So, you know, it, it was maybe you caught them at the right time type of thing. But you know, it, you can only beat who's in front of you. And, you know, they've kind of done that all year. Their defense has been really good. Jeff Brown, who's their head coach, is, you know, he's been there a few years now. He's done really, really well uh, with this with this team. And, you know, coming into a rivalry week, 10-1 and 1 
and then going in against Florida State, who are one of the only teams, you know, they haven't played them this year, but with a backup quarterback for Florida State, you know, basically an unchanged team for Louisville, you you could maybe make a case for them, I think. You know, we'll obviously talk about it probably more next week, I think. But I, I like this matchup. I think Kentucky really don't have a whole lot on Louisville, you know, looking back through Kentucky's schedule. I think every ranked team they've played uh, besides maybe Florida at the time, I think they've beaten or something like that. So, or they've lost to, sorry. It's so it's, they're, they're kind of one of those teams who, you know, everyone who's around them to their kind of same talent level, you know, they can beat them. But then once they get up against you know, some real tough opponents now, to be fair, they've played, you know, Georgia, Missouri, you know, all those type of teams, they do tend to lose. But yeah, Louisville, you know, they have some good players. They maybe don't have any, you know, guys who you might be looking for in the high rounds of the draft next year. But I think then you can really put a lot more on how good the coaching has been if they're 10 and 1 without really any standout proper players. Dar, just to go on what Connell said, Louisville concedes 31 points against Miami last week, 24 two weeks ago. Do you have any concerns there, especially when they're going up against an interesting opposition where you could see them pull away if they play the right football? Yeah, um, I mean, they, Louisville do have a knack for closing these games out late. Um, it's something they did again last week against Miami. Um, even though they gave a heel mirror at the end of that game, I think just tackle short of the goal line. But uh, yeah, like Louisville have they've got that winning gene somehow that, that one or two teams sort of seem to catch every year. But um, yeah, as as Colin said, like we're gonna need a lot of chaos for Louisville to get into the playoff. They're probably just the last team in terms of like even you know it's even fathomable that they'd make the playoff. They're they're probably the last team there. So um. You know, like it would take, I I don't know, it would probably take Bama losing this week to, Bama losing this week then beating Georgia. Something wild, random like that. Or, you know, the... I think even, I think even if like Georgia lose to Alabama, like I don't think, I think they're basically... Yeah, already, like, 13 and 1 Georgia probably makes it. I think maybe you'd need all the Pac-12 teams to lose out. You'd need Texas to lose this week. You just need the, the teams who, you need Florida State to lose to Florida, maybe something weird. You might need like Michigan to win this week and then lose, lose the, the championship game. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it's it's not going to happen essentially, Um, especially considering if they do go on to win the ACC, it'll be against a backup quarterback, Florida State, which then people will say, oh, well, you didn't really beat the peak Florida State, so we'll just leave you both out of the playoff. There you go. Enjoy. So, um, yeah, their their fate's probably sealed with the Jordan Travis injury. That's such a weird indirect way to lose your playoff hopes, but um, yeah, like they've they've done well this year. Um, really big fan of their head coach who's now turned two teams uh, into ranked. He he's he's made two ranked finished finishes essentially in two years with two different teams. So that's really really inspiring for them going forward. Um, but yeah, um, I like Jack Plummer the quarterback, but. Again, this is a game that, you know, win or lose, there's not a whole ton to play for here for Louisville, other than the Governor's Cup, of course, which I'm sure is a great big deal. Is it like the Mechanic Cup for us? (laughs) (laughs) No, um, I'd say people in Tyrone take that a lot more seriously than anyone in Louisville would take the Governor's Cup because Tyrone is about the Mechanic Cup. Took you half an hour. This podcast has had a little bit of effort this week. We talked about games in Dublin, TV deals, riots in cities, I swore 
Um, we talked about ball games, so I'll, I'll take it. What people can't see this week because it's audio only because your boy has no life at the minute and he's completely wrecked. Connell Diggin met the lad in Dublin last Saturday night. That moustache. <laughs> it is unbelievable. You should just keep it forever. You're like Mario. If we, if we get a, if we get, surely if we record before Thursday next week and if, it, if it's video recorded, that would probably be the last anyone will ever see it, you know. Yeah, you shave it live on the podcast for <laughs> Reminds me of the time that the Tyrone team, some players in the Tyrone team, in 08, refused to shave until they won the All-Ireland. And, um, but it sounds like a hunger striker, to be fair, actually. Yeah. But, um, don't know why we're going down this attitude. I mean, uh, I'm going to get done now, so look, I'm just going to, I'm just going to leave it there. And uh, <laughs> thank everybody. Code Ireland for 15% off at Homefield. Thank you, folks. Honestly, thank you so much for all your help support. Like, for example, Tom O'Connell, or like seeing everybody, Connell included. Thank you, mate. Last Saturday in Dublin, seeing people on shoot on a Tuesday night in Belfast is ridiculous. Thank you so so much. We we really appreciate it. Um, we'll chat to you soon. Keep it. Enjoy the final week of the regular season.